All right. Hey, go ahead and find a seat. <coughs> go ahead and find your seats. Are you guys warm? Does it feel warm in here? Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like if I'm warm, most people are okay. And if I'm okay, most people are cold. So I, I feel a little warm. I, I turned the air on a little bit, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how good our HVAC works in this, in this building. Um, well, hey, good morning, guys. Welcome to Voice. Uh, I don't, can you mind turning the house lights up a little bit more? Uh, so here's one of the things we're bad, out at, bad at as a church, and it's kind of my fault, is we're, we're not really good at celebrating things. So I'm, my personality is kind of just go charge the hill and then don't take time to celebrate, just go ahead and charge the next hill, and which is a, not a, a great uh, thing. Uh, anybody like that? Like you have a, like some of you guys just want to sit in Kumbaya and like celebrate all the time, and so you have the opposite problem of just want to hang out all the time. You know what I mean? So all that to say, God's moving all the time, like changing lives and reconciliation and writing people's stories. And I kind of usually read the things and go, oh, cool, next, let's go on, right? Yeah, God gave us a building, cool, let's go, next thing, right? Anyway, so uh, one of the guys wrote in this week to the connection card. I'm like, you know what? That's awesome. We sent it out to some of the elders and the staff said, hey, you know, God's doing some cool stuff. And then we're just going to move on. I'm like, you know what? We probably should share some stories uh, with the church just so you know uh, kind of what's going on. If, if nothing else, it gives you faith to go, you know what? I, I need to tell my story too because that's going to encourage somebody else. Or uh, it'll, it'll give you kind of the, a little more gas in the tank for you to hope for God to do things in your life too, right? Either personally or maybe someone that you're inviting. And so I'll just read a part of the connection card. It says, uh, came in, it says on March 7th, I'm not going to, I got permission just so you know uh, from the person. I'm not going to like, you know, read, read uh, stuff without permission. But um, it says on March 7th, I attended the service at Voice Church. It was my first time coming back to church in seven years. Uh, growing up, I was never really consistent in coming to church or even consistent with my faith, had an addiction for over 13 years, uh, started to feel regret and worthlessness. I was going through a dark time. My cousin told me that his fiance was planning on checking out a new church and wanted to invite me to come with them. So I went. Actually, uh, they're here as well. Uh, I normally wouldn't have filled out this connection card. I'm one of those people who train myself to ignore God for such a long time. I'm so used to telling him no. So this is kind of intimidating to fill out. I don't like connection cards either, so I'm, I'm with you. Um, Hearing the service about being all in with God and not customizing my faith on that Sunday, I figured it was time for me to say yes, even when it's inconvenient. I'm ready to see what God has in store for me uh, if I do give my all in to him and start saying yes to see where it leads me. Uh, I didn't make it to the service on March 20th, but I got the chance to watch it online. So productions team, that's, that's on you. Uh, good job. Uh, the service about worship got to me because I always felt like that's when I feel God is speaking to me the most. The more I'm learning from the service, the more I want to get plugged in uh, with voice. So... I think mean, that's awesome. I, I, this, yeah, let's give God a round of applause. Um, so all to say, I mean, there's so much to unpack. That could be like a sermon, you know what I mean? That's so much to unpack there. So uh, I think, man, how cool. A lot of times answered prayer looks like people just being obedient. And so uh, if he was never invited, he never would have came, right? If volunteers didn't come and serve and put stuff online, if organizations and volunteers didn't come to make this room happen and all it's, it's just so many things happening uh to make a story uh tangible and so just everyone involved thank you for that and if there's someone maybe you're going maybe there's someone in your life that you've said no for that you're going god you feel like god on your heart saying invite them to easter invite them to church invite them to your small group or invite them over for dinner and just see what happens you're like ah no i'm not they're gonna say no you never know you never know how god's gonna use you so 
Hey, uh, today we're in this series called Picture This. Picture This. We're continuing this series. It's a couple more weeks. It's going to take us up until uh, Easter's, which is happening here super soon. Is that weird to anybody else? Like, I feel like we were just at Christmas, which felt like that came really fast. And now we're at Easter, which feels really uh, weird. <clears throat> if you want to see a really great picture, uh, Joe has one. Actually, he sent around to the staff of uh, uh, Jenny, actually, as a child with the Easter Bunny, which is really... It's, it's something. It's something. It's a little, it's, yeah, it's fun. You should ha- ask him for it. Um, okay, so anyways, we're in this, in this series called Picture This where uh, we're talking about what does God see when he, when he sees his church? What does God picture when he, when he, when he pictures his church? And I think it's really important for us to think about because it's not about what you see uh, when you picture church or what, is, what, do, what do I see or what does Natalie see when we picture our church because a lot of times we can look at church as consumers, right? We can look at church and we, we pick church and maybe you're like you're, your first time here, one of your first times here and this is kind of you. You're trying, to, you're trying to find out what church to go to and what we can do is we can go, well, I'll go to that church if, if their worship is this style and is this many songs, right? I'll go to that church if their production level is this, level, this high, but not too high because it's not a concert, but not too low because, you know, we got to have some... You know, something. It, it, if, if their teaching style is this many minutes and not too, too long or too short, if their service is not too long or too short, if, if they have a convenient location near me, if they have a kid's ministry that, you know, looks like this or that, obviously a, a, a non-negotiable is burgundy carpet. I mean, that's, everyone wants that. That's, that's, in, that's in the Bible somewhere, right? But, so it's not about what we picture when we picture church because a lot of times we can look at it uh, as consumers, and there's so many beautiful things about the local church. I think about whenever disaster strikes, whether it be a hurricane or um, some sort of like tornado or whatever, um, a lot of times it's Christians, it's faith-based organizations, it's churches that are the first one in, last ones out. And I think of every town has needs, right, whether it be homelessness or single parents or whatever, there's, there's needs in the community that the city council and the mayor, mayor's office is trying to figure out. And what you'll see is on the front lines many times are churches, are faith-based nonprofits, are even Christians in um, organizations that are driven by their faith, they're driven by the, their values that they get from their relationship with God. And there's so many beautiful things about the church, but there's also a whole lot of things about church in Western America that it cannot be the way God intended it. It just can't be, right? Again, we get caught up in consumerism. We can get caught up in ego. My church is better than your church, right? My church can beat up your church. My, here's, here's the 14 different ways why this church is not as good as my church, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's ego. It's not, I can't make God happy. Sometimes we, one of the things that is kind of a downside about a way we act as Christians is sometimes we can be so focused on being right that we forget to act in love. That we're so focused on I'm right and they're wrong that we don't even act in love anymore. So people all the time, especially when we, we launched the church four years ago and it takes enormous liftoff to get, to get off the ground at any, any new organization, whether it's a software startup or, or a church, right, or anything in between. It takes enormous effort and resources at the beginning and we were having to raise like, it was like 400 some thousand dollars, which is like an insane amount of money, uh, for at least for us. And we were <coughs> asking people, uh, you know, to support, right? You know, spoiler alert, it, it happened, right? So, but... What we had to over and over, over again, people were asking us, like, what's your vision for the church? What's your vision for the church? I kept on thinking, I'll tell you, but I think that's the wrong question. 
Because it's not about what my vision is, but what's God's vision for the church? Like, what does he see when he pictures his church? That's what this whole series is about, is what does God see when he pictures his church? What are we supposed to be known for? What's be known for as a church? Like, really? Like, is, is our church supposed to be known for having a cool Instagram account? Right? Is our church supposed to be known for being, being having a, a certain size building or a certain location? Is that, is that really what we're, I'm not saying those are bad things, but is that what we're supposed to be known for? Like, at the end of our lives, when we get to see Jesus face to face, is he going to go, well done, good and faithful servant. Your location was so good. Well done. The way you're grid on Instagram, I mean, blown. My mind is blown, right? Is that really what God, I mean, that, that stuff isn't bad, but is that what we want to be known for? What are we supposed to focus on as a church? We can focus on a lot of different things, right? But especially as, as a younger, smaller startup church, we can do anything, but we can't do everything, right? And, and, and so we, only, we have a scarce amount of resources, scarce amount of human resources and finance. We can't do everything. So what do we focus on? And we know by, by definition, because we focus on a few things, that means we're not focusing on other things. And I know that makes some people go, well, I can't call that church home because you need to do everything well. Because this church on the street does everything well. And we go, then you probably should go to that church because we can't do everything well. In order for us to do that thing you want us to do, that means we're not, we can't do this thing, which we think is more important. The thing you want is not unimportant. It's just this is more important. And scarcity brings clarity, right? And so... What are we supposed to focus on? And then how are we supposed to interact with one another? A lot of times churches can be known as, as, as cocky, disconnected from their communities, kind of bigoted, right? Kind of might makes right, kind of toxic cultures, places where gossip kind of festers. It's like everything scripture tells us not to do. A lot of times churches, it's, it's okay for us to be like that. So how are we supposed to interact with one another in, in, our, in our faith community? And how are we supposed to interact with Others in, in our community that maybe don't see the world as we see it. They have a different value system, a different north star. But even in the midst of that tension, how are we supposed to interact with them? Right? And I think one of the ways that we answer that as a church is our mission statement, which is to be a Christ collective that lives by faith, is known by love, and is a voice of hope. That we live by faith, which is a double meaning, which means we take faithful risks, like starting a church, but we also, we're known by love, right? We're known by love, that we don't, we don't mean known for anything else. We want to be known that we love. That when people ask, why do you love so much? Why are you so generous to the community? Why do you help? You don't even know my name, but you want to help me. You know we disagree about things, but you want to help me. Why? Well, let me tell you about Jesus, Right? And we think that he loves you just as much as he loves me, regardless of what you believe. He loves you. Like, there's no one on this planet that Jesus didn't die for. So because of that, I wanna, he told me to treat you the way he treats me, and he treats me super good. So I want to treat you the same way. Not you have to believe like me for me to treat you a certain way. Just because you breathe air, I treat you a certain way. Known by love. And to be a voice of hope that wherever we go as a community that we bring hope. My prayer is that when we would go to the mayor or the city council or the parks and rec team, the, if, if we're a part of a, of a problem-solving initiative or a committee or whatever, that they would go, oh, okay, voice is here. It's going to be a little better because we bring hope. 
that's our prayer anyways. I don't know if, it's, if it happens, but it's, it's, our, it's our prayer. That's what, that's what we, we value. What's interesting is what you, what you value, what you prioritize comes out by what you pray, right? You know this like when, when, a, like when a, a parent prays for their child, you know what's the most important to them, right? Every time you, especially you guys are parents, you have to think back maybe to this stage, but with the first day your kids go like to kindergarten, and it's like you drop them off and you're like, just got to let go, right? And you, what do you pray? God, help them to find good relationships. Help them to not be alone. Help them make lifelong friendships because we know that their relationships will define their morality and their compass and the kind of person. We, we know that, right? We value that, so we pray that. Sometimes we pray, all of our prayers start out with, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why? Because our hearts are full of guilt, right? A lot of times, sometimes, you know, we pray and we just, we pray with, God, I want this and I want this. Can you, it's like our meeting with our personal assistant. Can you just do this and this? It's like the big piggy bank in the sky, right? Why? Because that shows what we value. That shows what we prioritize, right? So how did Jesus pray? It's interesting to think about. How did Jesus pray? And what does that say about what he values? And in, in, in John chapter 17, uh, in, in your Bibles, it probably says, uh, Jesus prays for his disciples. I think that's the name of in most of our Bibles. And he prays this as part of that prayer. He says, he's praying, praying to God, <clears throat> to the Father. He says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. In other words, hey, I'm, I'm boarding the plane. We're about to depart, right? But they are in the world, the disciples. They're in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Your Bible may say, uh, Keep them faithful to your name. Keep them faithful to your name. Name is synonymous for nature. It's not like keep them faithful to your taka. It doesn't make any sense, right? We, it, that's lost on us in, in, on, in Western America, right? So what he means is keep them faithful to your nature. Keep them faithful to your character, which you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Jesus could have prayed anything for his disciples, and he prays this. He knows that these guys are going to lead the future of the church. That would eventually become us. And he says, man, make them one as you and I are one. So are there distinctions between Jesus and the Father? Yeah. Are there different focuses that Jesus and the Father have? Yes. But are they one? Yes. Are there differences between Jesus and the Father? Yes. It's confusing with the Trinity. We, that's a whole thing. We can have a conference talk about the Trinity. But there's, a whole, there's differences. But are they one? Yes. Are there differences in this room? Oh, yeah. We say this all the time, but we couldn't, we couldn't agree on what to watch on Netflix. Right? Do you think we're going to agree on important issues? I'm not saying Netflix isn't important. I'm just saying there are more important issues, believe it or not. Right? Are there differences in this room? Yeah. Can we, we be one? Yeah. Even the kids agree, right? We can be one. So what's important is Jesus never prayed for their sameness. Jesus prayed for their oneness. Jesus didn't pray for their sameness. He prayed for their oneness. So you may say, well, Taka, what if? What if that person that I disagree with, that person that we have division between us, they're so traditional. Taka, they're so conservative. They're so far on the right. They have their head stuck in the sand. They have their head stuck in the 50s, or they have their, they have their head stuck somewhere else, right? Taco, what would you, how, how can I possibly, how can I possibly not be divided? They should go to their church, we should go to a different church. Here's what I tell you. 
Focus on what unifies you. Focus on what unifies you, not on what separates you. Focus on what unifies you, not on what separates you. Well, you may say, well, but talk about these guys, they're, they're so progressive. They are so liberal. They are so far left. They've thrown the Bible out. Their minds are open, yes, but their minds are so open, their brains have fallen out, Taka. You don't understand. What would you say? How could I possibly interact with them? Focus on what unites you, not on what separates you. Focus on what unites you, not on what separates you. Well, Taka, this person is so focused on Sunday mornings at church. They're so focused. Everything revolves around the hour and 15 minutes. On a, don't they realize that God is working in the community throughout the rest of the week? Don't they realize all the great things that God is doing outside of the hour and 15 minutes? It's not about that hour and 15 minutes. How do I possibly get along with We disagree on how money should be spent, how time should be spent, how to utilize volunteers. What would you say? Focus on what unifies you. Focus on what unifies you, not on what separates you. But talk about their focus. Focus on what unifies you, not on what separates you. We could make lists all across these walls about what separates us. And that gets us nowhere. Jesus never prayed for our sameness. He prayed for our oneness. So today we're calling it university, which is a kind of a, I feel like it's a dad <clears throat> joke, weird thing. But it's, 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 it's an intersection of unity and diversity. University, right? Unity and diversity. I know. Eh, cheesy. Right. So, <clears throat> but God has called us to be unified, but also diverse. And what I love, every time, you know, friends come visit our church, what they say all the time is, Whoa, diverse. Age, ethnicity, this is diverse. This feels right. This feels right. A lot of times, Sunday mornings can be the most segregated hour and a half of the week. Right? People go to their own echo chambers. It's not supposed to be that way. I, ironically, I looked up university. You know what university actually means? Not like our weird conglomerate, but what university actually means it means the whole, comma, aggregate. The whole aggregate. So it's an assumption of there's a bunch of different focuses, but under one umbrella. Interesting, right? You know our mission statement actually begins, so it's live by faith, known by love, and a voice of hope. It actually begins with a Christ collective. You can see it on our website or social media. Or a Christ collective that lives by faith, is known by love, and a voice of hope. Christ collective, collective means the same idea. From the very beginning, we wanted to be diverse. Collective means we all have different focuses, different walks of life, different missions, but we unify under one banner. We don't unify under the banner of Voice Church. We don't unify under anything else but Jesus. That's it. We're, we're unified around Christ. So the goal isn't for everyone in this room to agree on everything. The goal is that we be unified on the main things. We're all called to different things with different passions. Some of you guys are called to community service, and you love being involved in the community. Some of you guys are called to build a local church. You love Sunday mornings. You love, you wish that we would gather every single day. And for others of you who are like, that would be my definition of hell. If we had church every single day because church is not about the building. Some of you guys are so focused on evangelism. You just want to see people far from faith come to faith. And others of you are focused on discipleship. You're like, that's great, but I would love taking someone that's new to faith and teaching them how to live this thing out. Some of you guys are, are, are you guys love Sunday services, but some of you guys would rather not be here. And if we launched like a, 
a, a, like a micro church campus in the middle of a homeless community, you'd be like, that's where I want to be. I want to be there hanging out with people I think Jesus is hanging out with right now, right? Some of you guys are concerned with what God is doing here locally in Orange County, and some of you guys are going, who cares what God is doing locally here? I want to know what God is doing around the world, right? Some of you guys have a very progressive view of Scripture, and some of you guys have a very conservative view of Scripture. Some of you guys want to focus on building faith-based organizations, whether it be churches or church plants or faith-based nonprofits. Some of you guys are going, I don't want to be Monday through Saturday. I don't want to be around other Christians. I want to be around kind of what is the organization that I can shine so bright because it's so dark. And I can be the person that reframes church and Christians for these people that I believe God loves. Some of you guys are frustrated because why doesn't everyone see the world like you do? It's obvious. You're right. It's obvious that your way of seeing the world, what you're passionate about, is the thing that everyone should be passionate about. The things that you believe, everyone should believe. It's, they're almost like dumb for not believing. Why can't they just agree with you and God on everything, right? So what's the right path? Yes. What's the right thing to focus on? Yeah, all of it, all of it. The right thing to focus on is the thing that God has asked you to focus on. The question isn't what you should focus on. The question isn't whether your passion should be the person sitting next to you's passion. The question is, what is your tone? The question is, what is your nature? Do you have the nature of God? Are you being faithful to the character, the nature of God? Does your character reflect God's character? Jesus would say things like, they'd say like, hey, let us see the Father. And he would say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, when people see you, do they see the character of God? Right? If not, you're wrong. I'm a very, I tend to be a, a confident person, okay, uh, and, and to a fault, and I'll never forget this conversation I had like 20 years ago with a friend of mine who is like my match, okay? Like he's very confident. He's probably even more confident than me. <clears throat> but I remember we're having this conversation, and he's like probably eight years older than me and uh, <laughs> much smarter than me, especially at that time, really. And he, we were having this conversation. Now we were like duking it out over something probably unimportant. And he goes, Taka, here's what you need to understand right now. I know you think you're right, but you're not. <laughs> he goes, I'm confident that you think you're right, but you need to understand you're not. And I think a lot of us need to take that to heart. Whenever you see someone acting very unchristlike, very confident about it, aren't they? Super right, except their tone makes them wrong. What we're talking about today is it's not about politics, it's not about you know, all that stuff. It's not about like masks or vaccines or all that stuff. And I, w I wish this last two and a half years didn't happen for a lot of things, uh, reasons, but um, it's an overall tone of our life that in human nature, we want to divide, right? We want to divide with one another. I was having a conversation with actually a contractor who's doing work around here for the church, um, <clears throat> putting plans together so it doesn't look like this uh, forever. Uh, and uh, he was, I was like, what's your church history? You know, he goes, he goes, tell me more about your church. He's asking all these questions about the church. I was like, well, tell me about you. Like, what's your church history and stuff? He goes, well, I grew up in a, uh, an ethnic, smaller church. 
I was like, yeah, how'd that go? He goes, well, he goes, I really don't go to church anymore uh, because every few years a church would split and around uh, arguments about something someone said on stage or different focus or someone got ambitious or ego or whatever. And I think there's quite a few people in the room that kind of had that experience, right? Especially in, in ethnic churches for whatever reason. I grew up in a Korean Presbyterian church and like every three years this would happen. We have to recognize, we have to recognize that we won't all agree on everything. Like, and that's okay. We're not supposed to. There never is scripture saying that we all have to agree on everything. And there's this weird idea floating in the ether and in culture now where if you don't agree with me, you're dead to me. If you don't agree with me, one of us is wrong. Maybe both of you are wrong, right? But there needs to be a different tone. There's this current that's constantly working to pull relationships apart. And we have to fight against it. It's happening in our church. It happens at every church. It happens in your family. Happens at your workplace, you feel it, right? More than ever, the last couple of years, like the pandemic didn't break relationships. The pandemic revealed that relationships were broken. So there's these currents pulling relationships apart, and we have to fight against it. So in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, why it's called Ephesians, and he says this. He says, so Christ gave, gave Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his body for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. But what's important about this passage, this is what we call the APEST model. APEST, apostles, pastors, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. The reason why this is important is what Paul is saying is there needs to be a conglomerate. There needs to be a diverse group of people at your church, in your church family. Because if, like, like take um, the apostles. Apostles were individuals who were serial entrepreneurs, would be like today's kind of vernacular for it. They're always starting something. Right? And if an apostle is a great person to start a church, but a lot of times they have a hard time leading a church because they're always starting something new. Right? And so if, if an apostle is the only voice, the loudest voice in an organization or in a church, then the volunteers and the donors have a lot of fatigue because every few months they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to start this new thing. And everyone's like, can we just finish any one of the last 60 things that we were going to do before? right? And so they don't believe you. They don't want to invest or volunteer for this thing because I don't know, how, is this going to be the, just the flavor of the week, right? So it has to be balanced, right? If, if you have prophets, prophets or individuals are very black and white. They come into a situation and they're like, boom. They can be like grenades though, right? So prophets are important because prophets go to kings, go to leaders and say, you're living in sin. The problem is if the only voice is a prophet, then it's like Debbie Downer every Sunday morning. Here's where you sting, and here's where you're failing. And it's like, awesome, praise God. I'll leave and go cry in my car, right? So there needs to be shepherds, shepherds. Shepherds are like the, um, this is like what I am not really great at. I've gotten less terrible at it. But shepherds are the ones that are like, let me heal your wounds. Let's pray. Tell me your feelings. Let's talk. Just, I want to hear you talk about your life for the next three hours, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, spit it out, like, my, my advice a lot of times to people is, suck it up. People have a lot worse than you. Go. Let's get her done, right? Which is not really helpful a lot of times, right? So, but if, if a church is only led by shepherds, then everyone is very me-centric. Everyone's just like, 
you know, analyzing their little spiritual belly button and they're figuring their own life out and they're of no good to anybody else. So the APES model, what Paul is saying is everyone needs need a diverse influence of leadership at a church so that you can be balanced, that actually diversity is good. That it's not about picking who's right and who's wrong. Because if that's the approach, then the APES leadership will always be arguing, right? So what Paul says is it needs to be in balance. But what's important for us to understand is that APES structure is built on a different foundation. The passage right before he talks about APES, he sets the stage for the tone of the church. And here's what he says. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul speaking, um, he says, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. God, it's tough. This whole passage is really tough for me, okay? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Be patient. They're not going to get there as fast as you want them to get. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. You're going to have to hold some weight for them. They're going to be deficient in some areas that you're strong at. You need to hold the weight for them. In love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Does this sound like Christians on Facebook? Come on, right? This is who we're called to be. Make every effort. Not, I tried one effort three years ago. No, no, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why? Because there's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism— To each one of us, God's grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. So what he's saying is we need to bear with one another in love, humble, teachable. Other other passages say slow to speak, slow to speak, right? Real slow on the draw when you want to say something, quick to listen. In other words, tell me more about why you think that what you think. And I'm actually going to listen to understand, not listen because I'm just buying time to come up with an argument. I'm actually trying to understand where you're coming from, right? Then he says, because we have one faith, one baptism, one Lord. We are one. We're diverse, but we're one. It's not easy. It doesn't happen on its own. Jesus says in Mark chapter 3, he goes, a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And some of you guys have seen that in your family, right? Thanksgiving hits a little different now with family. You see the differences in generations, differences in where you live and what you believe. And we've seen in our church too, man. There were, <clears throat> I can tell you how many Sundays in the last couple years where we talk on whatever topic and there'd be individuals that were frustrated with us because they felt like we leaned too far right in that sermon. And then the same day, there were individuals that were frustrated with us because they, they felt we, we leaned too far left. It's like, what is going on? There, you, you can't win. So, a couple thoughts. What mentalities contribute to division in family but in church and in life, but for specifically with our church? Uh, the first mentality is cockiness. Cockiness. Cockiness says, I'm right, you're wrong. It's just, it's just black and white. The sky is blue, I'm right, you're wrong. Right? It's, it's just, it's a done deal. 
instead of being cocky, and you wouldn't call it cockiness. You may call it confident or I'm intelligent and you're not or whatever you want to say, right? It's cockiness. It's cockiness. One of my favorite teachers, he's since passed, but he, he used to teach, uh, he would teach kind of this, this, the people that teach seminaries, he would teach them, okay? And when he started his uh, like New Testament survey, Old Testament survey, he, he would start out the, the, the semester by saying, hey guys, 20% of what I'm about to teach you is wrong. I just don't know which 20% yet. And there was such a humility, such a curiosity in the way he lived life. So instead of cockiness, I want to challenge you to be curious. Instead of being cocky, I challenge you to be curious. Curiosity says, interesting, why do you believe that? What makes you come to that conclusion? Why do you see the world that way? Why do you see scripture that way? And you ask questions to understand. Another uh, thing that contributes to division is this idea of, of being a controller. That, man, my place in life is to make everyone do what they're supposed to do, right? This is what I struggle with, okay? And if my kids were here, they would say a big amen to that, right? So I feel like my role is to control them like I have them on like a PS5 controller, and I'm like making them do the right things. And my value is based on whether they do the things that I want them to do or not. Okay, so my, if someone posts something on on social media, I need to correct them. I need to control them. Instead of that, instead of taking the role of of, of controller, release yourself from that. Take on the role of a guide, a guide. A guide leads themselves first or else they're disqualified to be a guide, right? Leadership is hard. You know how I know leadership is hard? Because I have a really hard time leading myself, right? So a guide says, lead myself and then model humility and Christ-like character and love as a guide, not out of control. This is not an easy way to live. Just, you know, where we stand and how Nally and I approach life, you can energize people on the extremes, but you can only make a difference in the middle. So there are churches that have leaned way far left and energized their base there. There are people, churches that have leaned way far right and energized their base there. We haven't done that. We have made both sides equally frustrated at us, right? Why? Because we believe you can only make a difference in the middle. You polarize on the extremes. You unify in the middle. When you are on the extremes, you make people pick sides. You force people to pick teams, right? Unintentionally, they're either with you or they're against you, right? Which side are you on? You conservative or liberal? You progressive, or, it's like, or traditional. It's like it, it, you have to pick a side. You realize when you're in the middle that we're one team, one baptism, one spirit, one father who's in all, through all, and over all. That's what we believe, right? So a couple last thoughts, and then we'll close out with Jesus' passage here. Is <clears throat> one is every time we take a side, we divide. Every time we take a side, we divide. Okay, two, a divided world <clears throat> needs a united church. The world is more divided than ever. Our, not even globally, our, our workplaces are more divided than ever. HR has been real busy, right? The world is divided, and the, a divided world needs a united church. A lot of times we're the ones causing divisions or at least fueling the fire. A, a, a divided world needs a united church. So remember that passage we read earlier where Jesus was praying for his disciples? 
<clears throat> in your Bible, there's another section right after it. And it's usually titled something like, Jesus prays for all believers. So he gets done praying for his disciples, and he continues to pray, and he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. Talking about his disciples, he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. In other words, the people that they're going to reach. And then their spiritual grandkids and great-grandkids and great-grandkids. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That when they're unified, that then the world will believe that you sent me. It goes on. I have given them the glory that you gave me, and that they may be one as we are one. You see a theme here? I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. <clears throat> Not complete agreement. Complete unity. Then he ends with this. Then the world will know that you sent me. Then the world will know that you sent me. By their unity, the world will know that I am who I say I am. When they're unified, they will know that I have loved them as you have loved me. Who's he praying for here? Us. <clears throat> when he was praying that, I think for a moment he saw this church that would meet at 3002 Dow Avenue in Tustin, California in Suite 140. And he, would know, he knew the political, the political, the social climate that we'd be in. He knew that there'd be a room of people from different backgrounds. Some were born here, some were born overseas, some parents were born here, some parents were born overseas. We have all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic classes. We drive all sorts of different cars. We do all sorts of different things on Friday nights. Our Netflix queues look totally different, super different. But could we be unified? Could we be different? but one. He's praying for us. So he ends with that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So I want us to think about this really clearly. How will the world know that Jesus is who he said he was? Slick services? Cool lights? Amazing kids ministry? Those things aren't unimportant. They're just not the most important. Amazing church buildings? Invite Justin Bieber, petting zoos. I mean, what is it? I mean, how will they know that Jesus is who he says he is? Our unity, our oneness. That's it. That's it. Jesus said the world will know who he is by the way we unify. So what is it? What is a church that Jesus sees? Homogenous? No. No. Diverse, but unified. And remember, if you're new to the church, we've talked about this over and over again because it's a priority of ours. Remember, diversity. Diversity, people love the idea of diversity until they actually live out diversity. Because diversity means you're sitting next to someone. You're worshiping next to someone. You're in a small group of someone who disagrees with you. That's what that looks like practically. Diversity means that you're in a small group talking about your views on, on Scripture, on life, and they're going, you could not be more wrong. That's what diversity looks like. The way you raise your kids, that's so weird. The way you spend money, the way you look at scripture, that's so wrong. What you think the church should focus on, that's not what the church should focus on. That's what diversity looks like. 
And people usually love the idea of diversity until they're doing life with someone different than them. Right? It's like people want to be more loving, want to be more patient, and they pray that God make me more patient, and then God gives you an opportunity to learn patience. Right? Or you're like, I want to be more loving, and then God gives you someone that's really hard to love to develop those muscles. You're like, that's not what I wanted. I just wanted to be more loving. Right? This is what diversity looks like. In the middle of all of it, guys, fight for unity. Fight for unity. Be faithful. Be faithful to the calling you've received. And I'll tell you what, that's the church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I think the world is looking for. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that's a church that Jesus literally prayed we would be. So let's do it. Let's do it. It's worth it. And we'll talk more about that in upcoming weeks, but this is who we're called to be. And I think this is what we want to be. It just gets real messy in the middle. So let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll sing this last song as we close. God, we just thank you. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for seeing good in us when um, you know us really well. And you still love us and you still believe in us. God, would you help us to bear with each other the same way? To see the good when we see the wrong. To focus on what unifies us when all we see is what separates us. God, would this be a place of love and joy and acceptance? God, would we not be surprised when we disagree with one another, but God, would our tone be curiosity and teachability and humility and love? God, would you make us better by learning the stories of people that man have perspectives that we do not have? Would you help us to expand what we think is truth by people that see things a little differently? And God, ultimately, would you lead us to be more and more like you? None of us have it all together. So God, I pray that we wouldn't act like we do. But God, all we know is that at the end of our lives, we want our lives to have made a difference in this world. At the end of our lives, we want the, the limited amount of time and, and, and resources we have to have led people into a thriving relationship with you. So for some of us, give us the courage to speak up. For some of us, like me, give us the self-control to stop speaking and to listen. We love you, God. We unify around you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing this song together.